1: And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
0: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about attending a party for an honoree when you had a falling out with the hosts. Gifts and registries when dealing with elopements, how to leave a living situation well, and we're resurrecting a classic, how to speak up when friends want to split the check that you didn't order as much as they did.
0: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a PostScript segment on Vermont maple syrup etiquette inspired by a recent parody in the publication The Onion.
1: For our Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, you can listen to your ads-free version of the show by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. And your extra question of the week is regarding punctuality for remote conference calls.
0: All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
1: I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey! Four day weekend.
1: Four day weekend, man. Well, three day weekend. Three and a half. It felt like a four day weekend because Dan and I both worked from home on Friday. And I know both of us. You did some yard work, right? I did some yard work, too. High five, cuz. I'm really glad that we both kind of play hooky in the same way. <laughs> Friday
0: afternoon. It was so it was nice. So
1: great. It was amazing. My yard was at jungle level. I had not gone through and, like, gotten the leaves up yet. Like we said, long winter, short spring. And my roommate and I actually went through and, like, we raked up all the last leaves and we got the thing mowed. And, like, it actually looks like a yard you would want to spend time in.
0: (laughs) Really nice before a long weekend.
1: Yeah, no, it was really nice to get it done on Friday evening, afternoon. And it just it really made a big difference to feeling like the rest of the weekend was time to play.
0: We had a string of barbecues and house guests and I I wouldn't describe it as anxiety I would describe it as anticipation on Thursday night I started to plan the <laughs> yeah, the
1: totally.
0: yard work prep
1: you're like okay we need to do this so that it looks good and feels good when you're in the space I want a good fire hosting, prepped
0: cause... in the bonfire pit yes. I want <laughs> Colorful chalk waiting for the kids to play, to draw in the driveway. There were there were things.
1: There were things. <laughs> there were plans.
0: And it all worked nicely.
1: Nice. Very nice.
0: You tantalized me with a story from your weekend this morning, and I want to hear more about it.
1: I had a funny weekend. Frank White put on a Biggie tribute, and it was phenomenal. So Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Okay, like, I'm with you. I, yep. It was Phenomenal. Just like my friend Justin, who does the Van Morrison tribute, like they both do these tributes really, really well, which is what makes them so fun. And I'm so sorry I didn't do like a Twitter live during it. I really should have. It was phenomenal. It was like being there. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was totally having the best time Saturday night. And Sunday, I was going to go golf with two buddies of mine who I really love golfing with. And it was our first round out. Nobody had to work on Monday. So we were like, let's do a party golf round. Like, let's just have fun. So it kind of felt like from Saturday night all the way through Sunday afternoon was kind of like one rolling party, which was a lot of fun. But here's the thing. So we're all, like, planning. let's get the twist. Yeah, no, like, we're, like, planning our party golf, right? Like, everybody's texting, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring that. Oh, I get to ride in the cart with this person. I get to ride in the cart with that person. Like, oh, we'll do this, and the teams will go this way, and we'll challenge each other this way. And everyone was, you know, talking, what? What's the, like? Trash. Talking trash. There we go. We were talking trash to each other. And, like, I was in my element, right? Just before we get to the club, all of us all of a sudden notice that Someone else has joined our threesome, making it a foursome. So we had one spot left, and we hadn't tried to, like, block it off. And it's perfectly fine. Club rules are that anyone can jump on to any group, so this is really normal. Now, typically, if you are able to contact people, you contact them ahead again and ask them if they mind. Every now and again, you like to respect the idea that people might be trying to do business or be on a date.
0: So there's a courtesy to joining a group.
1: Yes. No, there absolutely is a courtesy to joining a group. There's also a courtesy of a group not to be too upset if someone joins and there kind of isn't like a reason for them not Makes to. Sense. But I happen to know the member who was joining, and she's one of our senior members, I would say, though I would say her spirit is much more that of a 25-year-old. But I just wasn't sure where she was on the party golf round front because she's a pretty serious golfer. You know, she plays in all the tournaments. She runs one of the leagues. Like, I tend to think like her golf rounds are golf rounds, you know what I mean? So I didn't have her phone number. I couldn't call her ahead of time. So when we got to the club, I see her and she throws her hands up in the air and I throw my hands up in the air and we run and give a big hug and everyone's so excited because the season's starting and people are finding their friends again. And I said, so listen. This is a bit of a party round. We are looking to have a raucous, rollicking, frolicking, you know, talking trash, like going wild, going crazy, blast the music, Rodney Dangerfield kind of round here. And she just looked at me and said, I am so in. And the four of us just had the most fun partying it up on the golf course together, of course, being as, you know, quiet as possible for sure. other members nearby. <laughs> but it it was so delightful to have that kind of crossing generation fun and spirit and just it's, it's what I love about golf because golf doesn't have to be quiet, serious golf claps and lots of rules and etiquette. It can be a blast. You are
0: taking me right to a Caddyshack frame of mind. This could be a scene from Caddyshack <laughs> totally. where you show up and it's it's a little lady with the tight gray curls oh gosh, and all of a sudden she so cuts not like completely that, yes. loose and surprises everyone.
1: No, totally. This woman in particular is known for being a lot of fun. So I, I had a good sense that this would be good. But I figured the etiquette moment here is to let her know what we were planning on and to ask her whether that was something she wanted to participate in. Because – When you've already kind of set it up, you don't want to then just change the net. I mean, golf rounds are like five hours long. That's a big change in mental shift and attitude shift if you get someone who doesn't want to have that kind of round.
0: So there is something we have talked about for a long time. What? This summer I want to get in yes. on a round of party golf. Oh
1: my gosh, I so want you there. And I'm fine if we go out for a practice round, because I know you've said you want to hit the hit the driving range for a bit first. We could do that, but this is really like don't keep track of your score. Just come hit golf balls, have fun, laugh, pick up when you need to pick up, drop down when you want to drop down and hit another shot. Like just fun.
0: That's the round I Okay,
1: need. good. Yes. In high five, we will put that on the calendar.
0: So we accomplished something. What? We got me scheduled for golf this summer. Yes! But now we have other things to accomplish.
1: We do. We do. Let's get to our show. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. We have a wonderful way for you to support Awesome Etiquette. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of the Awesome Etiquette podcast. All sustaining membership levels come with access to an ads-free version of the show, extra content from us, and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping to keep Awesome Etiquette available to everyone. Whether you choose $2, 5 10 or $20 a month, we are incredibly grateful for your support. We invite you to visit awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com to become a sustaining member today. And now, let's get back to that show you love.
0: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to Etiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Our first question is titled, Grace Under Awkwardness. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I really enjoy your podcast, and I appreciate your efforts in helping people figure out the best way to handle things. I hope you can offer me some advice as well. A childhood friend of mine is earning her Ph.D. in a few weeks. This has been her life goal for a very long time, and I'm planning to attend the ceremony and the party afterwards. The awkwardness comes in with the couple hosting her party. We were all close friends for a few years. I met the couple in grad school and introduced them to my childhood friend. However, there was something of a falling out between me and my husband and this couple several months ago. Basically, after we had our son, this couple completely dropped off the radar and never reached out to us again. Our son is now 16 months old. They were called out on this in a group text by yet another friend and simply replied with, deal with it. I stopped trying to talk to them after that. However, my friend who is graduating is still close to them and the couple is hosting her party at their house. The graduate is the one who invited us and the couple knows that we were invited. I feel strange showing up at their door after nearly a year of zero contact, but I would feel worse not going to my friend's party. Is there a right way to deal with this? I'm not eager to reestablish the friendship, but I also don't want to add any stress or drama to the graduates' celebration. Thanks, Holly. Holly, thanks for the question. It's a really good question. This happens. It
0: sure is. And I, I think the the basic etiquette advice is go to the party and try not to bring this drama to the party. But the drama's real. It is. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that. And I like the emotional preparation and intelligence that you can see in this question, where Holly's thinking about what it might feel like, I think, sort of anticipating what the potential awkwardness might bring to the situation and, and really trying to avoid that if possible.
1: So this is where my brain runs wild because you just don't know. On the one hand, you could go expecting that this person might mention something and then they don't. And you could feel really awkward about that. Or you could go expecting that they're not going to say anything and they try to use it as a time to either apologize and clear the air which might be nice just that one quick hey I'm just really sorry we haven't been in touch but I'm really glad you're here today and then you can say thanks I'm so glad too but that's like in the etiquette awesome world and when does that ever really happen sometimes (laughs) I hope hey maybe they listen to the podcast too Um, but no it's it's tough the other thing that could happen is the person could try to try to talk to you about it and be defensive about it like they could do the thing where it actually stirs up more drama
0: or accuse you of something Uh, tell you about the thing you Did wrong that gave them offense, and that's the reason they
1: stopped. Or, like, what if they just silently act weird? Like, what if you catch them just like staring at you strangely, or you think that they are, or you just don't even know what's going on, but you feel like there's awkwardness and you can't tell if it's your mind running wild or if it's really happening. Okay, so there's a lot that could happen. Yeah, no, there's a lot that could happen. So basically, I like the fact that Holly's walking into this already thinking, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be polite, but I'm not expecting anything. I'm not really looking for anything. Holly, I think you have the perfect mindset for this. If anything does come up, you can always politely listen, and then you can say, you know, I appreciate hearing that, and I'm really, really glad to be here and celebrating Kim today. But I think it's really nice when you don't just kind of write off those attempts and skip over them, especially because you're in a host-guest relationship in this. So even if maybe you aren't that grateful for her speaking up to you, I think actually saying those words or letting someone know that they've been heard and you understand what they're saying, if you get that moment of kind of quasi-apology but quasi-addressing the issue as opposed to just a straight apology and let's move on, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And there, there are etiquette anchors here Ooh. that I think can really oh, ground I like this. the situation. Etiquette
1: anchors. What have we got?
0: Well, you're, you're already talking about host guest roles. Yep. You've been invited. Yep. So you're welcome. And you can go feeling welcome and like it's appropriate for you to be there. You're aware who the party's about, who the guest of honor is. And your intent is really to honor that person. And that's something you can always refer back to wherever any conversation goes. You know, I'd really. I appreciate where you're coming from on this. I'm hearing you on this. Today, I really want to keep the focus on our good friend so-and-so. That That's another real etiquette anchor that no matter what emerges, that's where you want to keep the focus. That's your intent coming in, and everybody should appreciate and be willing to get along with that.
1: One of the places I like using the actual line of I'd like to keep the focus on, and again, I'll use the name Kim, today is if that person tries to get you into a conversation about it and you don't want to go there, I think that's a really good time to to bring that up. If they're giving you the apology, you don't need to add that line to it. And I would be the person who would accidentally do that. So this is why I'm saying it ahead of time. It's like, it's like you know, it's good to prepare with all the language. But remember, you don't have to use all of it for each circumstance. But I like the idea of if it starts to go haywire, if it starts to go down that kind of negative path, saying, you know, I really, I'm excited to keep the focus on Kim today and really celebrate that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think the most likely thing to happen is it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. How (laughs) are things going with your son? How have things been? Or maybe nothing at all. And I think both of those are also good situations, good outcomes. And you never know when a friendship is going to start to repair itself or get repaired or (laughs) move past a point of needing repair or whatever that might be.
1: You're so good, cuz. Cuz you're like, you never know, this might be the bonding thing. And I'm going, you never know, this might be the thing that sets you free. And you just don't care about this anymore after this. Because you've gone, you've had a social interaction that was fairly benign.
0: Exactly. And then
1: you can just be like, great, that's just not, It's there's like no love lost there. You know what I mean?
0: Worst case scenario, you can talk about it later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's also possible that if someone really feels the need, you could talk about it beforehand. But I think you can also trust people's collective emotional intelligence to get through a party celebrate your friend and allow everyone to have a good time holly thanks for the question thanks for listening to the show let us know how it turns out but i found out that those friday night get-togethers are open houses you could go i know i could if i wanted to i don't i think you should go you're only young mother don't be so
1: corny Our next question is titled, When Gifts Happen.
0: Dear Lizzie and Dan, my new husband and I recently got married. Congratulations! Technically, we eloped since we didn't invite anyone, but we did tell friends and family that we were getting married. We didn't elope to snub anyone. We just didn't want all the pomp and circumstance of a traditional wedding. We do plan to have a celebration dinner at some point in the near future and we will invite everyone. I know from listening to the podcast that it is improper to ask for gifts from guests who are not invited to the wedding, which is everyone. Yep. But we do have friends and family asking us how or if they can give us gifts, and we have already received a few gifts. What is the best way to let people know that we would certainly welcome gifts or money since we are not having a traditional reception? Is it still acceptable to inform people that we have a gift registry? <laughs> Thanks in advance. I enjoy listening to the podcast as often as I can. Sincerely, Mike.
1: Mike, congratulations. This is a really tough one. And I'm I'm glad to hear you already saying that you know that because you didn't invite anyone to the ceremony, because you didn't want the pomp and circumstance, that technically no one is obligated to get you a gift as you invite them to the reception. The reception that you're having usually is celebrating the ceremony that everyone has attended. It's the party that celebrates the actual event. And you guys are doing that, but the the event itself was completely private. And your reasons were for not having any of the pomp and circumstance. The gifts are pomp and circumstance. They're a part of that in a lot of ways. They also are things that people in your life will want to give to you when you hit milestones in your life. So I can, I can feel this tough spot that you're in. In this particular case, it is not appropriate to have a registry. It's better to just say, you know, we would absolutely welcome a gift. Thank you so much for for considering it or for for wanting to do that for us. That's it. You then let them decide whether it's going to be cash, whether it's going to be something for your house. Um, There are so many great gifts out there you don't need a registry necessarily to pick a gift. We pick gifts throughout the course of a year without a registry all the time. I would really advise that you not give people a registry because what it can tend to look like is that, okay, so you didn't want to do the big pomp and circumstance with everyone on the actual day, at the actual moment. Now you want to do it later and you want the gifts too. This is the part where... Your intention in your, in your letter was about how you don't need the gifts. The registry makes it look like that's the focus if you do that. Um, so it's like one of those helpful tools that all of a sudden has a really different appearance when you do it in this way.
0: Lizzie Post, you already answered the question that I was uh, prepared to I'm ask sorry, you. I'm sorry.
1: Did I just railroad you? Did I just talk about the whole thing? What was the question? No, I had a genuine question well, about
0: question? this. I, yeah. I was wondering be, because I was trying to reconcile these two impulses, yeah. the idea of wanting to be helpful because yeah. people are asking and also being aware of and, – and I really like the way you, you articulated and defined the points of – Oftentimes, the the reception itself is about celebrating that ceremony that people have all attended together.
1: Did you know, not even so oftentimes it is. <laughs> the and
0: that, that the whole gifts are part of this development of of the pomp and circumstance of the event. I like that thinking about it, and not in a negative way about pomp and circumstance, but as a that's one of the the parts of it that I think many people enjoy and look forward to participating in on both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. I also feel that part of me that wants to help if people want that help in I that know, direction I but know. the registry itself isn't the best way to do it it's okay to have that natural conversation but you you want to approach it with care with tact on an individual basis You've got it. if someone really persisted and said would you w- was inquiring about a cash you gift
1: give me suggestions then who yes, do I
0: can make a checkout to yeah. yes you can tell them you can answer any questions that people ask but that you don't want to give the appearance that you're trying to direct that or or Maybe generate that somehow?
1: Absolutely. And remember that in this circumstance, we are talking about an elopement. We are talking about a wedding ceremony that happened without any of these people present. And that's the difference. You could do a ceremony with all these people invited and then much later have a belated reception. And that would still, in my mind, count. You know what I mean? But it's really hard when you didn't invite anyone to the actual ceremony and it's really hard when they want to support you because you it would be so easy to just hit send on that registry link each time someone says that but it really can come across as oh well you didn't want people at the ceremony but you are prepared for their gifts look at that (laughs) like it it just really can have that attitude so have some things in mind, have some stores in mind, you know, have some things in mind that you all might put money that people give you for your wedding, for your uh, marriage um, to celebrate it. it, you know, have some ideas of what you might put it to. Maybe it's so that y'all can plant a garden. Maybe it's to furnish a new house. Maybe it's to go on a beautiful honeymoon together. I mean, whatever it is, it's fine for you to have those things in mind. But this is one where rather than having those kind of mass tools that we use when we are sending out to like a one- One hundred and fifty person guest list, you know, for ceremony and reception. Remove that tool and and really do the one on one, and I think you'll find that people are really receptive to it, and that you'll feel really good about it.
0: Mike, I can't leave this question without mentioning. This is how my parents got married. (laughs) That they had a. A kind of quasi-planned elopement, and then with what they called their running reception, where they they drove from house to house announcing their <laughs> their marriage after it was over, and, and delighted in sharing the news in their own unique and individual way. Congratulations on your recent marriage, and on hopefully many years of happy marriage to come. Here, here. Our next question is about removing yourself as a roommate.
1: This question makes me sad. My roommate's moving out today. My Close friend, to home. I know. My friend Kayla wound up living with me for quite a while, and I, I'm today she is actually packing up as we record. Okay. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I love... REPEAT ALL CAPS, LOVE YOUR PODCAST. I stumbled upon the show a couple months ago and quickly became hooked. I started listening from the beginning, and it is so much fun to hear your advice as well as to listen to you both share your lives with us as the podcast progresses. I just recently listened to the episode where Dan announced he was going to be a father. Dan, I know this almost happened two years ago at this point, and since you've probably passed so many other exciting milestones that I'll catch up on in the next couple months, so please Except my hearty, belated congratulations. What exciting news. I can't wait to hear where else life takes you both in further episodes. Now, on to my question. I'm currently living in an apartment with two roommates. We've been at our residence almost two years. And it's almost that time in our lease cycle when our landlord will ask us if we want to renew for another year. One of my roommates has already casually mentioned that she would like to stay. But I'm not sure that I do. I have an opportunity to move in with a very good friend whose lease will end around the same time, and I think it would be so much fun to live with her. I get along with my current roommates, but we all have very different schedules. And other than the occasional roommate dinner, we don't hang out much socially. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just know how much fun living with a friend can be, and I miss that experience. The problem... Maybe you can let me know if it's a problem, smiley face, is that I provided many of the items in our apartment. The couch, the coffee table, armchairs, TV, okay, basically the entire den area. Pots and pans, end tables, Tupperware, dishes, and even the Swiffer. I had lived in unfurnished apartments before, and my roommates hadn't, which is why I had so much to contribute. If my roommates want to stay in this apartment and I move out, not only would I be placing them on the burden of trying to find a new roommate, but I would also be adding the financial stress and inconvenience of refurnishing the apartment. So here I have a few questions. My living situation is fine the way it is Is it selfish or inconsiderate to move out when I know I will be placing such a burden on my current roommates? Number two, do you have any sample language I can use to let my roommates know I want to move out without making it sound like I don't enjoy living with them? Do I need to apologize for taking away so many of the furnishings of the apartment? Number three, since I will be placing this burden on them, is there anything I should do etiquette wise to make moving out easier? leave some furniture, find my own replacement, etc. If etiquette doesn't dictate that there is anything I must do, is there anything I can do as a kind gesture? I would be so grateful for any insight you have, even if my question doesn't make it on the show. It made it on the show. Sincerely, moving up and hopefully moving out. (laughs) I love this question, moving up and hopefully moving out. Thank you so much. You are so thoughtful. Oh my goodness.
0: Moving up and moving out. It is a delight to read this question. Thank you for your reflection on enjoying the podcast. It is fun to share uh, both our etiquette and a little bit of ourselves with all of you. I am going to start with question one.
1: Okay, question one.
0: Because we've got a couple questions here. Yes,
1: we do. We have three.
0: Is it selfish or inconsiderate to move out? Absolutely not. This is entirely up to you. These are roommates. You are not married. Lifetime commitments (laughs) have not been made. There was not a ceremony to commemorate (laughs) it. There
1: were no vows.
0: (laughs) You are at a time and a phase in your life and relationships with these people where... In fact, that moment when the lease comes due is the appropriate moment. In fact, there is um, not only nothing wrong with it, you are choosing the correct and appropriate time to evaluate your living situation. And all of the consideration that you're giving it is appropriate, but please don't burden yourself with worrying about what it imposes upon other people, this is a choice that's yours to make.
1: Absolutely. If you were moving out mid-lease and literally just packed your stuff up in the night and, and headed on over to a new apartment... That would be inconsiderate. But choosing the end time of the lease is the perfect time to bring this up. You asked for sample language. And it's this one's really simple. Just state the truth. And that's that I've loved living with you guys, but I've got another housing option and I'm looking forward to something different. That's it. It's not different isn't better. Different isn't anything. It's just different. And I think placing the emphasis in the beginning on the fact that you have really loved this living situation, but you have another opportunity to take up. That happens so often. It is usually a yearly cycle for people because often leases are yearly leases. Um, But it's really, really normal. And this is just not something that you should fret about. Or even you have no obligation to find a replacement roommate. You have no obligation to leave them your furniture. Um, Those are some of the other questions that were coming up. This is just the nature of independent living is that if you're choosing to live with roommates, there are going to be times where people bring all their stuff in. And there's going to be times when all that stuff and the people leave. And It's just kind of the ebb and flow and the grow and shrink of living during a more transient time.
0: The nice thing about leases is they're a legal contract and they provide a really concrete parameter for making these decisions and figuring out what people's financial obligations are. And the, the question of courtesy comes in when you think about... How do I tell them and also when? So the sooner you anticipate this, the better. Mm -hmm. If you feel it would be more appropriate, you could stage into this conversation. You could talk about wanting to have a house meeting or an apartment meeting about the lease or about what people are doing next. Or you could prime the conversation. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. the the basic points are, are, are clear and you're in good standing there.
1: You asked about leaving your stuff behind and I already said you absolutely have the right to take it with you. But if there is anything that you that you don't need as you move on to this new apartment or where you're really not that attached to it, you can certainly offer to leave it with your roommates. Don't just leave it. The worst thing is when someone just decides, Oh, forget it, I'm not coming back for that last box of stuff or that last chair or that TV stand or that, you know, the spices in the in the, you know, spice rack. Like Really make sure that everyone is clear on all the stuff that is being removed and any of the stuff that is going to remain because otherwise the inconsiderate part would be leaving behind a lot of stuff for your roommates to then have to deal with if they don't want to be dealing with it.
0: So talk, communicate, have the early discussion as soon as you've made your choice or even if it's just something you're thinking about that you think people should know about and then you can move on to the more detailed discussions of – what do you want me to do with this end table that I don't have room for in my new apartment? Mm -hmm. Would you be interested in it? Should I leave it behind? Should I figure out something to do with it?
1: Dan, what do you think about taking the temperature of kind of the emotional impact of this because it's really... We talked in a recent episode that partings can be hard and people don't always end things well. There might be some real disappointment. There might also not Mm -hmm. be, and you might then be disappointed that there's no disappointment about you leaving. Endings create these funny emotional spaces for people and I would just be prepared and be ready for that in either direction. Everyone might be really excited and helping each other out. You also might get a lot of um... And please remember to spackle the holes in the wall before you go. I'm going to want to see that that's done. A lot of this can happen. It can come out. People don't mean for it, but it's often one of those times in life where its endings are hard and people just don't handle them that well all the time.
0: I think it's a really smart thing to keep in mind. And it's one of the reasons I love question three. <laughs> Etiquette doesn't dictate there's anything you must do. But as is often the case, there are lots of things you can do that are kind gestures that are going to help navigate and ameliorate those emotional responses if they're bad, um, but can also help keep them in that positive place. A goodbye party, gathering, yes, get together, something. something just for the group of you, or something. If if your house is a more public place, if there are other people connected to it, to you as a friend group, it doesn't sound like that's the case so much. It sounds like, in many ways, your living situation is one where you've said there's not a lot of co socializing that mm-hmm. goes on. But sometimes that's an important part of a well managed goodbye. A well-managed mm-hmm. goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, a note. Just don't ever underestimate the power of your words. Say it when you have that discussion. I've enjoyed living here. I've enjoyed getting to know you. It's okay to repeat those things to Follow make that afterwards. an explicit part of your communication. And that can help people not wonder so much. Is there something that happened? Is there something that went wrong? Is
1: – yeah.
0: It's very easy when you're able to express and articulate your feelings well so other people know what they are.
1: The final thought that will leave you with moving up and hopefully moving out is that you want to make sure that if you are the only one exiting the apartment, and and really, truly, even if everyone is exiting the apartment, that you do run through how this exit will happen. And you talk about the expectations and you talk about the hours that, that you'll be moving things around and moving things out. That way, people really kind of have an idea of the move out schedule and when things when things can happen so that it's really most convenient for everyone in the house. And sometimes there's a little bit of negotiating around that. So just be prepared for that. But I think the more you communicate, the better and the more that you keep it in that positive. This has been great. I'm sad to leave you guys, but I'm excited for the next step kind of attitude. You're going to do great.
0: Good luck with the move. They can be really difficult just logistically. They can also be really exciting. Cathartic. They live together as a unit, adapting themselves as well as they can to their new circumstances in a complex, modern world.
1: Our next question is titled, Resurrecting a Classic.
0: Greetings. I hope this finds you well. I have an etiquette question in regards to dining. How should you handle situations, especially in fine dining, where you are asked to split a check evenly regardless of who has ordered what? Often, given that I live on a strict budget and it is the company of whom I am with that I value the most, I find that I don't order as heavily or as expensively as the others around me. I'd rather just take care of my end, but I fear this comes across as impolite or tacky. Thank you. Cheers, Laura.
1: Laura, thank you so much for bringing up a very classic etiquette question. This question actually reminded me that even almost 200 episodes in, It's never bad to revisit some of the ones that we find ourselves in regularly. So thank you for bringing this one up again. Definitely feel confident at least broaching the idea that this check should not be split evenly. You know, some people may be put off, but frankly, I want to put this thought in your head. I don't think they have the right to judge you when essentially they were getting you to pay for more of something that you didn't actually participate in or have. Like, if anyone judges this, it's that moment where I'm like, are we gonna take a beat? Are we gonna have that, that like comedic beat where we know, like, wait a minute, are you for real? You're not okay with me paying for what I ordered, but you are 100% okay for me paying. Twenty, fifteen, five, thirty, fifty, a hundred dollars more for a meal just because you ate a lot and feel like oh, but it's so cool to just split it evenly. Give me a break. This person would be tacky if they told you no.
0: I made one note on yeah. this question what did in you the say? script. I said it's cool to offer to split when you have ordered less. It's not so cool when you have ordered the most.
1: High five, cousin. That is such a good way to put it. That's going in the twentieth edition.
0: <laughs> it's. Incomprehensible to me that someone would take offense if you were to say no. I'd rather just pay for this, or but but it does. We just
1: pay for what we ordered. At the
0: same time, I feel the discomfort of raising that in the moment.
1: Totally get it. I totally totally get it. But at the same time. How else are you going to be able to dine with friends and deal with this? And if no one else is speaking up for you, I think it's perfectly okay. I also want to encourage you that the reaction you will likely get is not groans and moans. The reaction you will likely get is, Oh my gosh, Laura, we are so sorry. I didn't even realize. Like, I, I hadn't been thinking. I thought we all ordered the same amount of stuff. Absolutely, let's do separate checks. It's more likely that you're going to get that kind of a response the, oh, someone's, you know, calling me out on my absent mindedness, as opposed to, oh my gosh, this person is so techie.
0: Is there a way you can say it yeah. that allows for that absent mindedness interpretation more than the, I'm calling you out for your major etiquette faux pas interpretation.
1: There absolutely is. I would try and say something along the lines of, oh, instead, could we do separate checks? I know splitting is super easy, but I actually only ordered an appetizer. I'm feeling OK about that. Right. Someone might decide to say, oh, rather than having the server break everything up, why don't we just each give you an extra five out of it or something like that? They, Someone might do something like that. I've got to be honest, having worked as a server, it's really easy to break checks up these days unless the restaurant runs on a different system. If they don't have a POS point of sale system, that's easy for that. Most restaurants, everything is on one of those POS systems. But if it's not, if you happen to be at a place that's doing handwritten tickets and everything, it might be the kind of thing where someone would say, actually... They do handwritten tickets. Why don't we just make sure that you get reimbursed so that you're only covering your your appetizer or whatever it is that you ordered? That's the only thing I could see about someone refuting it. Um, But I think just saying, you know, oh, instead, could we do separate checks? I only ordered an appetizer. It's a real – it's gentle. You're not accusing anyone of having tried to put you in a bad situation. You're not kind of – alerting that they've forgotten you somehow or that they're being boorishly unaware of everything at the table. That's not what you want to put out there. Resist the urge if finances are the reason that you tend to order less food when you go out. Resist the urge to, to. I would say, play that card loudly. It's a legit card. It's a legit concern. And it's something that I would talk about with my friends before we go to a restaurant or if we're having a good heart to heart, I would definitely say, you know, there's something that's been going on with our group of friends that I just wanted to bring up and maybe you can help me out. I love socializing with everyone, but when we go out, y'all order wine and, you know, it's like a four course meal and I can participate if I just order an appetizer, but I can't participate in all of that or I don't really drink. Can you help me out? And when it comes to those moments where people want to split the check, Like, can you help me speak up and say, no, let's instead do separate checks? That's the kind of thing that I think taking care of that on a friendship level at a different time is important. Your frustration with it, your nerves about it might come to play at that table. And I would say it's okay to ask to just pay for what you ordered, to ask for separate checks instead of splitting checks, and have that confidence be your guide rather than the fear of the finance. What are
0: your thoughts about asking for a separate check earlier in the meal, maybe as you sit down or as you're making orders? Okay,
1: this is a great plan. So if you know that this group tends to order a lot, then it might be worthwhile before you sit down to the meal or even as you sit down to the meal, say, hey guys, do you mind if I ask ahead of time for a separate check. I'm only planning on ordering this. That will kind of set things upright so that there isn't that big anxiety moment, because I love that you thought of, of bringing that to the start of the gathering. I assuming. was
0: imagining two situations. Totally. One where there's a large gathering, Yeah, and even a, 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 a server is making the rounds around a table, and you've got that little private moment with them. Oh, yeah. Saying, that's a good idea, too. Would you mind... Putting this on a separate check for me, and but I also like that of letting other people know a well, little bit, because
1: uh, otherwise, when the group goes, can we split and you end up with your separate check? It say, might be oh, I got a like... separate
0: check earlier. That, <laughs> yeah. that might be the easier. If it was a large gathering, and Absolutely. I was I was imagining situations where I would try that tactic, and then I was also imagining much smaller situations where maybe you're just with a family or another couple or a couple of groups you know, that like are connected. Four or five
1: together that that you
0: might say something like. I just got an because could I pay you for it? And Have the
1: four of them split and you give one of them extra or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as long not as, one of them, all of them, sorry.
0: Exactly. And as long as you include the tip in that, I think you're in pretty good shape. Sort of a, be sure that you've left enough of a cushion yeah. on top of whatever it is that you did order so that you're really covering everything. That gets a little awkward in terms of the math if you're offering to pay one person and then they're divvying up by the number know, of people at I the know, table. That's really more of a situation where I think one person is sort of managing the way that that divvy happens. And yeah. don't even get me going with the Venmo distribution <laughs> now that also happens where someone takes a, a, yeah. a bill and then bills out to each of the people involved. Although that could be a way where people really only pay the share that they're responsible for.
1: It's another way. There are a number of different ways to make this happen, Laura. Have the confidence that you are not the tacky one in this situation at all. I always use this question as a time to give the call out of if you are at a table and you Notice that your friend did not order as much as everybody else. When someone else suggests that you split the bill, speak up for your friends so that they don't have to. And you don't have to do it as if like you're, you know, protecting this person, but you should just do it as an awareness of, oh, actually, you know what? We all didn't order the same amount of stuff. We should probably get separate checks. It's a really easy way to do it, and it takes the burden off of the person who actually did order the least at the table. Laura we hope that this helps And we hope that you are able to keep socializing And enjoying the company of your friends
0: Well you must be on a budget How's it working out Oh pretty well I guess But it's hard sometimes How about you How will you do it Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And this week is in response to episode number nine.
0: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I know I'm late by 183 podcasts. Ha ha. (laughs) But I wanted to share a cheeky response my father taught me when directed with a how much did you pay for it question. If ever asked, say, how much did you pay for that car? He simply responds by saying enough, along with a good humored smile. I even had to use it a couple times when people have asked how much my engagement ring cost or how many carats my diamond is. I found it's a nice way to divert attention while helping the questioner laugh off the awkwardness. However, if you feel it's not the right answer, please let me know and I'll start using (laughs) your responses. Thank you so much for all your advice and insight. My life has certainly improved after finding your podcast. I appreciate you, Jess.
1: Jess had a really sweet P.S. First of all, Jess, I think your response is perfect. It's actually in Peggy Post's book, Excuse Me, But I Was Next, um, which is like one of our top 100 dilemmas, but more from the early 2000s. But
0: And our favorite answers it, to them.
1: It really is. And and it, Enough is actually one of the most perfect answers that you could give. Um, but I love the postscript that you put into yours. You said, I also just listened to episode number 192 about names. And I have to admit that I directed a question emailed to Emily and Dan before. I have to sincerely apologize. It was truly a slip because I didn't realize it until listening to that episode and having an oh no moment and checking my sent mail. The horror! Thank you for being so nice about it and even reading the wrong name aloud on the podcast while reading, when reading my question. The horror again. My apologies for my oversight. Jess, we mean no horror when we do it. I think it's very funny when we get questions for Emily, and I kind of love reading them aloud. I also have really chuckled at the the times especially really early in the podcast when people would call Dan Dave that happened a whole bunch <laughs> um, So please know that we we laugh these off wholeheartedly. <laughs> Our next piece of feedback begins. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I wanted to write in and offer sympathy and perhaps an apology to the listener who wrote in about getting a noise complaint on the first night in their new apartment. I had a very similar situation, and I'm afraid I may have let my former neighbor loose on this poor listener. Ooh. Maybe. I I know. You just never know.
0: Sometimes these things do come in bunches, though. They do. They do.
1: I was out of town when the lease of my apartment started, so my roommate was the first in our new home. She wasn't even staying there. Her old lease had not ended yet, but was slowly moving boxes in during the day. She came to the apartment once, three days after our lease started, to find the longest, most passive-aggressive note ever, detailing just how loud we were being when we walked, opened cabinets, used the bathroom, etc., We were so surprised and put out. We had just gotten there. We flagged it for management so that they would know she was making unreasonable complaints this early and wouldn't blame us if the issue continued later. She never complained directly to them. They knew exactly who we were talking about, implied that she often complained, and said that they would talk to her about it. Our living room and bedrooms are carpeted, but the entrance and kitchen have hardwood floors. On the days when this neighbor was particularly perturbed, she would bang on her ceiling. Think Mr. Heckles from Friends. (laughs) Which is like so true. He would bang and they would bang and then he would bang and then he died. (laughs) Any and every time we walked on the hardwoods, continuing long after we'd sat back down, sometimes she'd go for five minutes straight banging on the ceiling of her apartment, the floor of ours. She confronted me once. I was homesick from work and walked to the fridge to get a glass of water, and she came up to yell at me for stomping. I remained calm, thanked her for her initial note, letting us know that the walls were thin, told her that we were taking every precaution to walk gently, and said that there was really nothing more we could do. I can't levitate. We are on the second of three floors, so we also have people above us. Sure, it's annoying sometimes, but nothing to justify her level of outrage. Our real saving grace came from the people who lived in our apartment before us. We got some of their mail after they moved, so I found them on Facebook, and they came over to pick it up. Before they left, I mentioned, did you guys have any problems with the downstairs neighbors? Their faces and eye rolls said everything I need to know. She had tormented them in the same way, and when they talked to our building management and asked them to mediate a conversation, the downstairs neighbor refused to meet with them. Thanks to their persistent efforts, our management knew we weren't kidding when we described her absurd behavior, and eventually they did not allow her to renew her lease. After many months, we are finally in peace in our new home." I think a new tenant has replaced her, but I can't know for sure. We haven't heard a peep from them. So you are not alone, listener. And I hope your peace offerings to the downstairs neighbor offerings for them to see you walk in your home offering to come and listen to what it sounds like downstairs etc are received better than ours were and i hope your building management can be supportive like ours was good luck and thank you lizzie and dan for such a fun and informative podcast i know that i'm a kinder and more thoughtful person because of it and as someone who is very close to her cousins i love being a part of your family hangouts cheers morgan morgan you are so a part of our family hangouts like I love it when people think of the show like that, like us all just hanging around talking etiquette. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: and and I love this contribution to the discussion. It's
1: great. I love the idea that a things can change, b you're not crazy for thinking that you know normal walking and normal living behaviors at home should be accepted by the people around you in apartment circumstances.
0: I live in such a secluded place that we do. don't even have curtains on our first floor windows and like the the public living areas in our house because there's. No need. Nobody but the bears. So for me, it's fun to hear about a different living situation. It's fun for me to hear about apartments and how people manage relationships with neighbors that are much closer, what the standards are. I learn a lot from this feedback.
1: Well, I was going to say, because when you were in California, I mean, I know you had some apartments and stuff like that. But for a long time in Cali, you lived in the trailer on your friend's property. So even that was your own space. <laughs> like Absolutely. Yeah. The Airstream days.
0: (laughs) You're taking me back, (laughs) cuz.
1: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about... Onions and maple syrup.
1: No, it's about the onion and maple syrup.
0: We were absolutely delighted that The Onion decided to reference Emily Post when they put out rules for licking maple syrup off your plate. <laughs> It's a favorite publication. We really enjoyed the...
1: Ridiculousness of it, I will say. (laughs) The
0: cheeky treatment that they afforded both the topic of maple syrup and the Emily Post Institute. And we thought we would take the opportunity to talk a little bit about maple syrup
1: etiquette. Maple syrup etiquette. We're from Vermont. We are literally from the land that tries to claim its fame as maple syrup that no one else makes as good maple syrup as Vermonters. So we actually had some real thoughts on this issue. But you had a good story that I loved. I
0: I live among maple sugar makers. Yeah, There are sugar shacks in three directions if you leave my house. There's the neighbor up the road who has their own little mom and pop operation where they just tap a few trees and make some and give it out to friends and family. There's the person who sort of do... Whatever northeast of us who's got a more commercial <laughs> operation. There's the, the woman who works at the Emily Post Institute whose husband is an avid sugarer who brings us maple sugar from her family operation. We're in the heart of maple syrup country. Yeah. My wife was so careful when we first met about how she ate maple syrup, and she would put just the right amount on for each bite. And she confessed to me recently that she has, quote-unquote, learned to eat maple syrup for me because she watches me just pour it all over everything. And she's a breakfast three meals a day person. We eat a lot of breakfast at our house. Okay, and we eat a lot of maple syrup at our house. And with some delight, Poo just says, You know, I now treat maple syrup the way you treat maple syrup. I just pour it all over everything and eat so much of it. And I said to myself, Do I really do that? And she you looked totally at me and do. Said, yes. <laughs> Because help me out. I could use some help here.
1: Oh, no, you could. You're in great stead. But I loved this article so much. And at the same time, my inner Vermonter was like, yeah, no, that's just like not how you do it. (laughs) So here are the official Vermont-based Emily Post etiquette maple syrup eating rules. Are we really going to call them rules? I hate that word. Tips. Tips. Tips is good. Okay. Number one, any and all maple syrup served by a host must be real maple syrup. No substitutions, no 50% maple syrup. The real deal from a state or country, I'm thinking of you, Canada, with real sugar maples. Dare I even say sugar maples that naturally grew in a forest all on their very own? I dare, I dare. Anything else is simply maple-flavored syrup. Syrup should be served warm and from a small pitcher or similar item that has an easy spout to pour from. While sugar on snow is eaten with no utensils, when using plates and cutlery, one should not lick the plate to get the remaining syrup. Instead, a host should provide extra starch items. I'm thinking biscuits, pancakes, flapjacks, grapes, french toast, waffles. You got it, cuz in order to actually sop up the extra maple syrup, leaving none on the plate. So Puja, pour away and sop away. (laughs) A host should never drink the leftover syrup from a plate because there should never be any leftover syrup at all. To do so would be the equivalent of throwing gold on a fire and walking away, according to most Vermonters. It is recommended that anyone with long hair tie it back while dining with maple syrup. The woman in the onions diagram is sure to get maple syrup in her short locks as she licks. When discussing the color and flavor of the syrup, it's important to know your grades and stay focused on the positive. Be open to maple syrup being served in new and inventive ways. Maple espresso bacon at the creamery in Carbondale, Colorado, for instance, as well as unfamiliar yet traditional ways. Pickles with maple syrup are an old Vermont tradition. And finally, maple syrup makes for a wonderful gift any time of the year. Just remember to pack it carefully, whether you are bringing it with you. And remember, you cannot bring jars larger than three ounces. It is considered a liquid onto the plane, but you want to make sure that you pack carefully so that you don't end up with a very, very sticky mess. Pickles and maple syrup? I'm telling you, it's delicious. It's that briny and that sweet, you know, and I'm talking like a dill pickle. Absolutely. It's so good, it's ridiculous
0: throw some hard-boiled eggs in the mix and you've got a real sugar shack party going on.
1: My friend's ex-boyfriend once made a cocktail that was like a maple syrup. I forget what type of liquor he used. And then a pickle. It was whiskey and a pickle. And Mm -hmm. it was so good. (laughs) We want to thank The Onion for giving us the chance to both connect with our home state and one of our most favorite products from our home state and be a little bit cheeky and fun about maple syrup etiquette. Pardon me if I may interrupt. I'd like to make perfectly clear one very
0: important point. In the state where Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys bewildered the British, maple sugar is a trademark. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Abby. Today we hear from Abby. Hello, Posts. I absolutely love the podcast. Being in middle school, I don't come across all the problems you discuss, but I think it's great that I can be prepared for later life when I might encounter these situations. I have an etiquette salute for you. I got a wrong number text, well, texts. I got accidentally put into a group chat, which kept my phone buzzing constantly. So channeling my inner Lizzie post and making up a quick sample script, I sent a quick text just to let them know that they had the wrong person, but congratulating them on the run they had just finished which was the subject of that group chat. Now, here comes the chivalrous etiquette. Not only was I taken out of the group chat, I was sent a private message from the person that started the chat apologizing for the mistake. If this person is so considerate with little things like this, you can only imagine what they're like in person. Sometimes it really is the little things. So thank you to whoever made this small act of kindness. Sincerely, Abby. Abby, thank you for sharing this small act of kindness with us. It's so true. Little things in life can make such a big difference. Their their impacts accrue and accumulate, and they leave such a positive impression.
1: I just love the idea that we have a middle schooler who's listening to this show and loving it and finding good etiquette. In her life, I mean, that to me is just wow, Abby, that's amazing to me. I love that you're looking at even the simple things like a missent text, not just paying attention to how you can contribute well to that missent text and get people back on track, but also noticing how wonderful the people in that text are being. I mean, that's that's really great, really great,
0: Abby, thank you for sharing
1: and thank you for listening.
0: Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send future questions, comments, and salutes to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
1: And I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
0: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out by becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You could also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please do consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris.
1: Thanks, Chris.